0: Did you know that I host the Love and Abuse podcast over at loveandabuse.com? It's about control and manipulation in relationships. Did you also know that I created a program for emotionally abusive people that want to change? Yes, that's over at healedbeing.com. If you think one or both of these might apply to you, I'm here to help. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world we're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work welcome to the overwhelmed brain where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now Hey, this is Paul Coliani and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. All right, I am glad that you are here and we are in the new year. I didn't have anything special to say over the new year because it's just another podcast for another week. <laughs> It's just another show for you. It's nothing to celebrate because I'm just here doing the same thing week after week. The same thing. I know I'm making it sound miserable, but I've actually been doing this for a good eight, going on nine years now. And uh, I'm not bored. I'm not bored at all. And I think when you can do something for this long and not be bored... You're doing something right. I think I'm going in the right direction. And I'm going to continue doing this as long as I possibly can. I even told my girlfriend that um, I can picture myself creating my last episode from my deathbed. (laughs) I hope that's very, very far away. But um, I picture it. And um, maybe that's weird to you. Maybe it's a weird thing to do. But I, I think I'm just going to keep pushing on here as long as people keep um, getting value from the show. So why am I mentioning this? Because I look at relationships like this. If you can go for a long time in a relationship and still want to go even further, then you're probably doing something right. Meaning if you want to go the next year and the next year and you want to stay with this person and you want it to continue, and you're not at that place where every little thing annoys you. You're probably going in the right direction. You probably have a good partner. Uh, things are probably on a good level. There's good balance between the both of you. And you're communicating well. Communication is key, right? I learned that a long time ago. And um, I also failed at it a long time ago. And Sometimes I still fail at it, but um, I've learned a lot, and you probably have too if you've been in a relationship for a long time, or if you're single and you are trying to get back into a relationship, or if you just want to stay single, you probably learned a lot about communication. I have one message today, maybe two, depending on how far we get, but uh, one message that certainly talks about, um, or at least asks the question of of the best way to communicate something. and I'm going to read that message to you because uh, some relationships we don't know how to communicate the message very clearly and uh, it's important to know how to communicate clearly because if you say the wrong thing or they interpret it the wrong way things can go downhill pretty quickly. I'm sure that's very easy to relate to and probably You don't need to be reminded because we all go through it. I've gone through it. I was telling somebody just recently, somebody wrote to me or I was doing it for the Healed Being program. I I said, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend a few months ago and um, she just started getting really loud and I started getting really loud back. And then we were both I hate to admit this, we both were screaming at the top of our lungs. It wasn't like a back and forth, you're a B-I-T-C and you're a B-I-S-T. It's nothing like that. It was more like stating our point louder and louder. And I'm here to say I've never yelled at the top of my lungs uh, at any romantic partner, I was trying to think. I don't think I've ever yelled at any romantic partner at the top of my lungs so you could hear it throughout the entire house. And uh, when I did that, and we we were done, I do not even know what it was about, I went into the bedroom and I just asked myself, what the hell just happened? What was that all about? What happened to me? Where did I go? Why did I go there? And that's part of my reflection process when I do something that... Um, I don't know if I regret, but I certainly question, like, uh, I'm supposed to know how to communicate better. I'm supposed to know this stuff. I'm supposed to not be triggered. We all get triggered. <laughs> we all have these triggers inside of us that um, it just takes one little step in the wrong direction, and suddenly you're going down a road that um, it's hard to get off. So that's what happened, and we were both going on this road that was very hard to get off, and uh, uh I just I was befuddled. I was sitting there on the bed thinking I don't understand. How did I how did it get like that? How did we just start screaming? And um my reflection was uh partially pointing at her and partially pointing at me. So, it was half and half. I pointed at her because damn she's been moody lately (laughs) that was then you know she's been so moody and i i couldn't figure it out and and she was just saying things and so so aggressively and harsh and i just couldn't stand it anymore my my buttons were getting pushed i was being pushed across the line and uh you know the, the boundary line and so i finally just raised my voice. I wasn't getting through any other one. I finally just raised my voice because, you know, we we are self-protective people or beings. We want to protect ourselves, and sometimes we do that uh, using um, aggression or pushing back the energy. We want to defend ourselves because we don't want to be attacked, and so at this deeper level, I felt like I was being attacked. And I couldn't convey the message that I don't want the attack to happen anymore. And this isn't us. You know, we're not supposed to be supposed to be communicating like this. So I couldn't convey it. And our voices got louder and louder. And then one final scream each. And then we were done. And the weirdest thing happened after that. We were calm. We were okay. Good natured. And um, we didn't really talk about it. It was it was just a strange event because it was almost like uh, the built-up energy was so released, the pressure valve had let out so much of the pressure that there was nothing left. And here's what I think is the most important part of what happened, is that we had such a solid foundation of honest communication and transparency in our thoughts and um, just love and connection, we had built that up so strongly that that event did not rattle or shake or put a crack in our foundation at all and because of that, the bounce back from that event was quick and nearly painless i it, it might have been completely painless during it we were angry I guess or at least I was angry and it was a self-protective anger like I want to push you away I don't want to be um, attacked like this it felt like uh, an emotional attack and I'm sure she felt the same way and really what it comes down to is we're not able to communicate what we're really thinking and feeling in an effective way that doesn't trigger the other person she was trying to communicate with me and I don't know if she was blaming me like I said I don't don't even remember what it was about but I just felt this really harsh forward energy coming my way and uh, she probably felt the same way because as soon as one person uh, escalates in their energy the other person can tend to escalate and so here is the escalation process on both sides coming at each other with a certain amount of respect still, but enough defensiveness and self-protection going on that uh, we're not going to let anything through. So we're both kind of butting heads at that moment. Um, But when the final words were yelled, (laughs) spoken and yelled, um, it was over. You could literally feel the energy just drain from the house. and It wasn't a, oh, I give up, this is a a terrible situation kind of energy. It was, wow, everything I wanted to say, I said, and I got it out. I'm not recommending you do this. I'm just sharing this because when you have a solid foundation, you can go through a situation like this and come out on the other side of it okay. You got to have a healthy relationship. You got to have that healthy foundation. That foundation has to be built up over weeks, months, and years of really honest, sometimes hard communication, and sometimes difficult times like this where you bounce back and you just relate to each other knowing that it was a moment and not a lifetime. And this is sometimes the difference between. A relationship that has the ability to keep its longevity and its closeness and connection. It's the difference between a relationship with a solid foundation and a healthy level of communication and one with a shaky foundation where the communication has been spotty or at most toxic. When it's toxic, that needs to be addressed. An argument doesn't have to be toxic. You can have a heated conversation or even yelling back and forth, but it shouldn't be toxic. It shouldn't turn into name-calling and belittling and saying how much of a disappointment or a failure they are to you. That's when it becomes toxic. The argument that we had or whatever it was called, it was new to me. (laughs) It was not toxic. It was just, it felt like self-defense. It felt like, this is where I am and I'm not going to let you break past that I'm not going to let you bust it open I'm not going to let you get through or break through this is where I am this is my stance and it was me this is me this is who I am this is where I am this is how I feel and she did the same thing this is how I feel and this is where I am now it does feel like It goes into a direction of pointing your finger why don't you understand why can't you get this that is sort of pointing your finger but it's still in the the same area of I don't know why you don't understand it's about me not understanding why you don't understand instead of just defining the other person I could have pointed at her and said You are a stupid, immature person that has no intellect and can't figure anything out. I could have said something like that, and that's not even very clever, but I could have said it. I could have said that, and that would have been mean. That would have been a mean thing to do, because that means that there are probably some thoughts and feelings that I have that have been building up inside of me that devalue her, or want her to feel inferior or unloved or unworthy or insignificant, that is not inside of me. The foundation of love and connection and wanting her to be happy is still there. But there's an allowance for um, venting. There's an allowance for expressing. There's an allowance for authenticity. I think that's a healthy relationship. I don't think it's healthy. To put on a smile and be silent around each other all the time when you're angry as hell. Or maybe you're frustrated by something, or maybe you want to express how awful they've been to you, but you just keep it to yourself because you want to keep the peace. I'm describing my childhood and my mom and how she acted in front of my stepfather and in front of the whole family. There was a level of safety and That's often what it is. is a feeling of safety by being in denial. Throwing on that smile and being in denial and being in a situation that you're just either scared or angry, upset in some way, yet uh, you don't want to say anything. You don't want to rock the boat. So you just throw on a smile. Everything's okay. I've received many emails from people That would say, you know, my family does this. They're all mad at each other, and um, they just put on a smile and pretend nothing's wrong. But you can cut the tension with a knife. It's like um, one of my other family members. They used to fight with their significant other. (laughs) I won't mention who, but when I was young, they would have screaming matches in the house with us around. Like, I could never do that in front of other people. I would be so embarrassed, and I wouldn't want people to think badly of me because I had a moment. Because sometimes you can do something in front of somebody, and that's how they think you are all the time. And I don't really want that to happen. So it's an ego thing, yes. (laughs) But I did have a family member that used to have screaming matches with their significant other. And, um, I thought wow, I never ever want to be in that situation. I never want to have somebody like that and they're not going to last. To this day, they're still happily married. Oh, I I think they're happily married, but I know they're married. <laughs> and the last time I saw them, they seemed to get along great and everything's going well. That's been many, many years. And um I didn't hear them fighting when I last visited them, but um they used to a lot and um Now, they seem like they're fine. So, I got this idea that maybe having these screaming matches where you're not toxic to each other, but you are expressing what's going on inside of you, and maybe you're self-protective and maybe you're self-defensive, I got the thought that if you're able to get it all out and release all that pressure inside of you, that perhaps that as long as there's a solid foundation of love and connection you know, as long as that's there that um, the relationship can not only survive but maybe even thrive and the only reason I say that and I'm not saying it works for everyone and I'm not saying that you should even do this I don't even take this as advice I'm just saying this is my observation I've noticed that uh, couples who go through those periods you know, where they have these screaming, screaming matches Um, are able to get so much out so much of that negative energy that has built up that they can be calm and peaceful and connected after it's all out and they're not carrying around any negativity or toxicity from the argument because they weren't mean to each other they were just in their space stating their case so when they got through that screaming match uh... They were loving and they were connected. And that was much more impressive and interesting to me than a couple who never seemed to bicker or argue or any of that and always, I don't know, I'm going to say pretended everything was okay. I'm not saying everyone, again, does this, but there are some couples that pretend everything's okay and then suddenly they're broken up. And you think, what just happened? They were just great together. They were the best couple. And one of the reasons could have been that they were holding on to anger, resentment, frustrations. And there were also subjects that maybe they didn't want to talk about or bring up. You know, they kind of hid them under the rug. They just threw them under the table instead of putting everything on top of the table. Like, let's put everything on the table and talk about it. And this is what's going on. And. Ah, just let it all out. And then you have the calm after the storm. But the storm comes through and it's finished. The storm doesn't hold any resentment, it doesn't hold any negativity. It just did its thing, it happened. And so, coming back to the experience that my girlfriend and I had just a few months ago, I mean, I'm supposed to know this stuff. I'm supposed to be able to be calm and uh, have already healed from most of my triggers. But you learn that no matter how healed you are and how far you've gotten in your personal growth and development, um, that there will always be something that triggers you, even when you're healed. I mean, I don't believe in 100% healing, but I do believe healing is the journey. It is the journey when when you have stuff to heal. When you have stuff to heal, healing is the journey. And so if you're asking yourself, when is this healing journey going to end? It is all part of the journey. And don't take that as a bad thing. Don't think it's awful. Think of it as every time you heal from something or at least process something in a new way so it no longer traumatizes you and it no longer feels toxic to you. Every time you get through that, it gets easier. So technically life is supposed to get easier. That's <laughs> a laugh, I know, but it's supposed to at least emotionally. It may not get easier physically. It may not get easier with other people around you because they're, you know, they're sometimes difficult or there are certain people that are difficult. But if you are really healing and processing through this stuff or at least taking time to reflect how something escalated like I did and like my girlfriend does she, she does it all the time we both do this and we don't necessarily reflect with each other we go our own ways we go in separate rooms and we reflect on what just happened and this isn't something we even talk about like hey I reflected <laughs> but what I'm saying is that uh, when you take the time to do that then you improve yourself reflection is part of healing. It's part of improving yourself. And when you do it, you learn. How did that escalate? Why did that escalate? Was that bad for us? Was that a bad thing? Because arguing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Arguing several times a day every day, that's going to be harmful because you're not getting anything done. You're not getting any closure. There are probably issues that are still open Need to be closed, they need to be talked about, they need to be gotten through. And if you have issues like that that need closure, you got to bring it up, you got to try to heal that stuff. Otherwise, you carry it with you. I've said in the past, I used to carry around this underlayer of negativity inside of me so that I was never completely uh, happy, I could never really experience. What it was like to be happy. As soon as I felt like this little glimmer of happiness, I was reminded of all the other stuff in my life that I didn't have closure on or I, I still felt uncomfortable about or didn't like about my life. And so when that is still inside you lingering, it's hard to achieve happiness. It's hard to achieve some level of emotional satisfaction. And so the reflection process is how you can improve. It's how you can look at the events in your life and um, consider how you could have done things differently. And also consider how you might have uh, hurt someone else. Because that's certainly what I did. I I was in the bedroom and I was reflecting on this huge argument and um, I thought about how it must have felt to her. And then another thought of, yeah, but she was also attacking me <laughs> and Attacking is the wrong word, but it, that's what it feels like when we're in self-defense mode We feel like we're being attacked. So we need to protect ourselves so I um, thought about that and she thought about it on her end and uh, I Gotta give her credit every time almost every time this happens. She always apologizes first before I even have a chance And um, I I don't mean for that to happen. I don't wait for it. You know, I'm going to wait for her to apologize because I'm going to do the same thing. It's just that she, I don't know, has the courage to just make it happen. And, and, And she loves the foundation we have. She loves us. I do too. And we both want this to continue and to stay a relationship for the rest of our lives. We definitely want that. And so it always floors me when she comes in and says, you know, I want want to tell you how sorry I am. And, um, you know, I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. And I said, I said some things and I'm sorry. And I was just angry. And and she'll say all the stuff that I think is amazing and so courageous. And I I definitely say, you know, I'm sorry too. And I, I don't want to ever do that, but it sometimes happens. There's a misunderstanding and, um, you know, I don't, give her the lecture I, I just I'm apologizing as well I, I think we, we probably misunderstood each other or maybe we understood each other clearly and we still get angry but um, I certainly don't want to be angry at you because I love you and um, again those are probably aren't the words we say but I'm just giving you the, the big picture which is important I mean let me give you this final point the, the big picture is the the picture that I always go to the big picture in a relationship is the longevity, the love, the connection, and the strength and the bond that we share. That's the big picture, and when I think about that big picture, that's what I want to strengthen all the time, and that's what I want to be left with, that big picture. Because the details, the arguing, the, the bickering, or the the bad feelings I don't want those details I want the big picture and it's a lot easier to snap out of being angry and knowing that your anger is going to hurt them in some way it's so much easier to snap out of that if you start focusing on the big picture which is more important than the minor details or sometimes major but the minute details that were in the argument you know we can look past that we can zoom out and say what's more important here that's how you see the big picture what is more important than this right now and we both see that and sometimes we can't focus on that sometimes we are embroiled in the moment and we have to get it out and sometimes that's healthy even though it can be hard to go through it can be very difficult so even when you practice, 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 you will still be in situations where your practice will be challenged, your, your skills at communication will be challenged, your honesty, your transparency, your vulnerability, all of it will be challenged. And every time it's challenged, you have an opportunity to talk about you and how it affects you and express yourself to another person and uh, just make it known what your stance is, where you stand, and how you feel. But I don't think you should take that opportunity to define anyone else and make them feel inferior and uh, call them names. I think those are mean things to do. And when you do mean things, that's the kind of toxicity that uh, lingers in the relationship. And disintegrates it over time. And those kinds of relationships, usually, if they last, they're not very strong. They're not very loving and connected, and uh, they often don't last. And so the foundation's important. The strength is in the foundation, and the strength is also in the honesty and the transparency and the vulnerability. And when you can be okay, being vulnerable after you've been very defensive and you can both do that with each other, there's more of a chance that a relationship can survive. There's more to talk about on that, but I'm going to shift gears a little bit when we come back. I'm going to read you a message on I think it's about communication. I might have to read it and um, I might change my mind after, but there's a message that I definitely want to read and answer this person's question. So We'll be right back after this. my whole life I've had trouble falling asleep almost my whole life even after I gave up caffeine even after becoming a vegetarian for a year and a half I could never fall asleep easily and uh, it's taken me years to figure out what helps me fall asleep the fastest and this what I'm about to tell you is not even a sleep product. I started something called Athletic Greens, and one scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. That helps you start your day right, and it helps me sleep at night. And I'm not saying I take it before bed. I actually take it every morning. I enjoy it. It's actually a good flavor, too. It's like a tropical flavor. And for months, ever since my girlfriend had to go on a liquid diet because she had some oral surgery, I started my daily regiment of Athletic Greens. And I'm looking at their marketing right now, and it actually does say it supports better sleep quality and recovery. And that's what's happening with me. This is the first thing and the biggest thing I noticed with athletic greens and um, it's also helpful for me because I don't eat enough of the right foods and I'm not saying this is a food replacement but I don't eat, eat enough of the right foods to get a lot of the nutrients and vitamins and minerals that they put in athletic greens I mean it's actually cheaper than buying all these separate supplements yourself I mean tons of people take multivitamins so it's important to choose the one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb and This is what I'm finding with Athletic Greens. I am telling you about it today because I have enjoyed the product. I do not promote any product that I don't use and find value in and especially enjoy. I've said no to a lot. (laughs) So I am very happy to bring this product to you. I want you to go to Athletic Greens. That's two words, athleticgreens.com forward slash brain and take ownership of your health by picking up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And to make this easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. It is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash brain. You'll get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And I got to share something else that I, quite honestly, I'm just lucky. I'm lucky to be able to try this stuff and tell you about it and share things with you that I know are working for me in many ways. And uh, this product is something I've been looking for at least for the last 10 years of my life. And it's called Monk Pack, M-U-N-K Pack, P-A-C-K. And what they are, are these keto granola bars and nut and seed bars And um, my favorite part about these bars, it's something I've been wanting in bars for so long, is they contain one gram of sugar or less. They also have two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar has about 150 calories or less. Now, I've even tried to make my own bars, and I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) don't ask me to uh it's not easy and they found a way to make monk pack bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate caramel sea salt and coconut cocoa chip man i want one now they're perfect for a quick breakfast or a snack in between i don't know zoom calls or even a guilt-free decadent dessert Again, these are low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, and they're plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They are the perfect snack for me or for anyone that's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. I gotta admit, I love things made with sugar. (laughs) But I love when I don't have to have the sugar and still have the taste. So I think you're gonna like these too. I want you to visit monkpack.com. That's M U N K P A C K.com. Enter the word brain at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. And Monkpack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange your product or refund it or whatever you prefer. I work at this desk all day long, and boy, those snack bars come in handy. So check them out. Monkpack.com. M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Use the code Brain at checkout for 20% off your first purchase today. Welcome back. I think the main message in my last segment was just to not be mean. And... Figure out what you're saying that might be mean and not say it. Calling people names, putting them down, insulting them, making them feel unloved and unworthy. I think those are, all, uh, those are all damaging to someone's spirit, to their self-worth, to their self-esteem, to their belief that they're lovable. When you take those fundamental concepts or wants or needs from someone, what you're doing, is you are deteriorating them you're disintegrating them from the inside out I mean that is the root of emotional abuse right there is when you do mean things I mean that's what I call the workbook the mean workbook over at loveandabuse.com it's a way of communicating with somebody that demoralizes them that makes them feel bad and not only that makes them feel bad about themselves When you make someone feel bad about themselves, that's hard to heal. That's hard for them to heal. And it's hard to heal the relationship after that because people invest a lot into relationships and they invest a lot into their belief in you, in your words. So when you say something that lowers their own perception, their own value or their own worth, their own feelings about themselves... What that does is takes away some of the necessities that we all need. We all want to feel, or at least a lot of us want to feel, loved and worthy and important. We want to know that we are accepted. We want to know that we are supported. We want to feel like we are worthy of love. We are worthy of other people's attention and support. That is a common thing for most people. I'm not saying everyone wants to feel that way, but I, I think a lot of us do. I think most of us want to feel worthy and important and uh, lovable. And When you take that away or you start to pick away at it, that destroys someone from the inside out. This is why uh, emotionally abusive relationships they leave such emotional wounds at, at a deeper level that it takes a long time to heal from that type of behavior. So again, the message is, don't be mean. And you can find out if you're being mean just by trying it on yourself. This is the empathetic response or the thought process where you say something to someone, and then you ask yourself, if someone I loved, someone I trusted, someone I cared about, said that same thing to me, how would that feel? And that's helpful. That can be a helpful way to understand what your words and your actions are doing to someone else. And if you've been doing this a long time, that has done a lot of damage. You know, I'm making an assumption that that kind of behavior has very likely done a lot of damage. And so it's important to stop being mean because mean is the path to hurting someone from the inside out. There's a difference between saying, when you do this, it makes me feel this, and when you do this, it means you're an idiot. There's a big difference because I'm focused on me in the former and I'm focused on the other person in the latter. In the second response, it contains a judgment about the other person and that judgment comes from someone that they should feel like they could trust and loves them so if I say you're an idiot if they trust me then they're going to believe that at some level they may think I'm being a jerk and an idiot but they're they're going to believe what I said at some level because there's already some trust in there so let me go ahead and read this email about someone being mean this person wrote I was toxic and I hurt my boyfriend badly he broke up with me but after realizing how hurtful my behavior was I began doing a lot of work, including therapy. Eventually, my ex contacted me, and we cautiously reconciled. However, his best friend, um, who, who I always felt didn't like me, won't forgive me and won't allow me to come over when he and my boyfriend hang out. Not only does it hurt that someone hates me that much, it also worries me because he is probably trying to convince my boyfriend not to be with me. I know this person is important to my boyfriend and someone he trusts and enjoys spending a lot of time with, How do I keep this person from influencing our relationship negatively and seek reconciliation with him? Part of me thinks that he is also being selfish not to support my boyfriend's choice to reconcile. Am I wrong? Help me stop obsessing, please." Okay, thanks for sharing that. And um, First of all, congratulations on working on yourself, figuring out that you might have been doing or you were doing behaviors that were probably very harmful. And to get to the point where you are speaking again and there's a possible chance for reconciliation, that's fantastic. That doesn't happen often. Usually when there's an emotionally abusive relationship, there's less of a chance of a reconciliation. It happens, but there's less of a chance because of the lasting effect. People don't want to feel the way they felt anymore when they were in the relationship with you, so they want to move on. They don't want to go back to that, even when you've showed changes. That's exactly what happened to me in my marriage. I was emotionally abusive in my marriage. I did things I'm not proud of and I'm ashamed of. You know, I've, I've done things that made my wife feel awful. And I feel awful that I did those things. And I went through a healing process, and it took some time, and it took a lot of reflection, and it took a lot of humbleness and vulnerability and trying to figure out why I behave like this. But what I learned at the end of my marriage is as I changed, as I stopped doing the behavior, um, I also stopped focusing on her. I focused on myself. I stopped telling her or convincing her that I was changing and healing. I was starting to focus on myself. and That was one of the biggest changes that um, anyone that does emotionally abusive behavior can go through. That's the, one of the biggest changes they go through is they stop focusing on the other person. I spent almost all my relationships focused on my partners and what they need to do for me. That was my focus. What do they need to do for me? And if they're not doing that, how can I coerce, convince, manipulate, or control them to do what I want them to do for me? Sounds like I was an awful person. And in many cases, I was. I was very generous and supportive and charming. And at the same time, I was covertly controlling and manipulative and I had to break that cycle because I discovered that I was the common denominator for all my relationship problems I had to come to that humble realization instead of blaming them which I did most of my life why did they leave me I finally looked inward I finally reflected and I finally understood why they left me because I was doing bad behavior I was not supportive I was not accepting them for who they were I was not accepting them for what they wanted to do with their lives I was not accepting their choices their decisions I wanted them to decide what I wanted them to decide and that destroyed my relationships so kudos to you congratulations for working on this now you're in a situation that uh, you basically have no control over that's good (laughs) You shouldn't have control over this. In fact, if you had control over this, you might still be being emotionally abusive. You might be trying to control things. But what you want to happen, uh, it may or may not happen because now your boyfriend has a friend that doesn't like you and, like you said, may never have liked you. And if that's the case, there's nothing you can do about that. You can show up as friendly and kind, but your boyfriend's friend saw a side of you and never saw probably the good side that your boyfriend saw and now that your boyfriend sees this good side and this healed side his friend only knows the past you his friend only knows the past you and right now it's your boyfriend's journey, it's your boyfriend's decision it's his path this is when you have to trust that he's going to make the right decisions for him even if it affects you, even if you are left out in the cold, you are left alone without him. That's the hardest part is when you love someone, you let them make decisions that they believe are right for them. And you don't want to convince them otherwise unless they're in danger, if, if their life is in danger. But for the most part, you say, hey, look, I support whatever you need to do. Um, I will miss you if you don't want to be with me. But if that's your path, then I support that path. That's how I feel. And it may not be something you want to say. You don't even have to use those words. I'm saying that you support your boyfriend's decisions. And if that means your boyfriend has a best friend that he loves being with, supporting his friendship with that person is going to be the best path to take even if it feels counterintuitive. Hey, you know what? You know he, That guy doesn't like me, but if you like him, I support your friendship with him. Why do you do that? Because your boyfriend is going to talk highly of you talking highly of that person. I mean, that's not the only reason you do that, but what you're doing is supporting a person that you love or you care about uh, and his decisions, even though those decisions don't work in your favor necessarily so his friendship with someone that doesn't like you doesn't work in your favor but if you support his friendship with someone who doesn't like you because he likes that person then you are supporting him and he's going to see that he's going to see that you're supporting him even though it works against you that's pretty darn supportive that's pretty loving That's a loving thing to do which is why I'm saying you should do this. Now, you won't be able to change his friend's thoughts. You won't be able to change that person's mind at all, so don't even try. In fact, um, this is what I tell people in the Healed Being program over at healedbeing.com. When the emotional abuser starts to shift, starts to heal, the people that knew that person as the abuser will take a long time to trust again to see that person as any different than they were they they do not see a nice kind trusting safe person they only remember the harmful person and that uh, perception lasts it lingers it continues and it continues until they convince themselves that you've changed in other words his friend has to convince himself that you've changed and the only way that can happen is by you not interfering by not saying anything to them because anything you say or do that um, feels like you're convincing them that you're better now and you're healed will likely be seen as a deception or manipulation So you have to be really careful not to do or say anything and put your focus on this other person because any focus on the other person can feel like the old you. can feel like who you used to be. That's another thing I talk about, focus. When you focus on yourself and not other people. When you're stopping being mean, when you're stopping hurting people. If you're changing, You're no longer focused on them. You're focused on yourself because you want to heal. You don't want to be that person anymore. And In order for other people to feel safe around you, they have to trust that you are changing. They have to see those changes. And The only way they can see those changes is if you are really just focused on yourself because then they won't feel the pressure that uh, you used to apply to them or used to put on them in some way, shape, or form if that might have been you trying to convince them or trying to manipulate a circumstance or control the situation or control the person. When you take that out of the equation and your focus is on yourself, that gets noticed. That's exactly what would cause someone else to start to question that perhaps you are not the same person that you used to be in a good way. Your boyfriend and maybe his friend will look and say, "Wow, she doesn't um, do those things that she used to do. She doesn't try to convince you. She doesn't try to talk you into anything. She's not even uh, putting this relationship that you and I have down. You know, him and his friend. She's just focused on herself and working on herself or doing her own thing." Now, his friend may say, "That's fine with me because she needs to stay out of your life. That's what friends do. Fortunately, friends do that. Friends watch out for us, and that's what your boyfriend's friend is doing." and maybe that's something that you can support even though it works against you for example if you told your boyfriend you know your best friend is looking out for you and i was harmful so i get it i get why he says that you should stay away from me i i totally understand it and it saddens me because now that i'm working on myself and i understand all my bad behaviors I really want to find out if you and I can reconnect in a different way and have a good relationship. But, you know, if this is how you feel, if you believe that I'm still harmful and your friend is on your side and is protecting you and all that, then you need to listen to your heart. You need to listen to your friend. Your friend is watching out for you. And I just support whatever decision that you want to make. Well, if you can say that, if you can be congruent when you say that, you know, we're it actually feels like you're telling the truth instead of just trying to say something that you should say, then what happens is you allow someone to make a choice. You empower them to make a choice. There's no control, no manipulation. You give them the power of choice. And they may say no. They may say, you're right. I don't want to be with you. It's not uh, safe. I don't feel like I can trust you. And my recommendation is, if that's what happens, you say, I completely understand. And if you ever want to talk again, reach out. I'm going to continue working on myself. I know I was emotionally harmful, and I never want to be that person again. I love you. I care about you. I want you to feel safe. And if you don't feel safe with me, then you shouldn't be with me. That is supportive. That is loving. And it feels so counterintuitive. It feels like that's the opposite that you should do, but that's how you love someone. You let them make choices. You empower them with choices, even if those choices are not with you and don't necessarily benefit you the way you want them to. So there's really nothing else you can do except that, in my opinion. I believe you work on yourself, and if you're still in communication with your ex-boyfriend, he's going to see that you're working on yourself, And don't spend a lot of time, don't spend any time convincing or coercing or trying to make other people see, your boyfriend or his friend. Don't try to make anyone see what's happening because changes, real healing changes are always noticed. And the biggest one that gets noticed is almost always the focus part. That's one of the first lessons in healed being is that You have to learn to focus on yourself and not the other person. And it is probably one of the hardest lessons because all we want to do is focus on them. I want to make sure that they see I'm changing. I want to make sure that they understand how much I care about them and how much they should care about me and us because we could have a great relationship now that I'm not harmful anymore. But after an emotionally abusive relationship, that harm is lingering in the sense that when the focus is on the person who was receiving the hurtful behavior, they start to associate focus on them as part of bad behavior. There's a lot more I talk about in the program. I'm not trying to make this an infomercial, but I'm just saying that that's exactly the process that the emotional abuser who wants to change has to go through. They have to take their focus off the people they were so focused on and let things work out Empower them with choice. That is loving. That is supportive. It is the opposite of emotional abuse. Empower them with the freedom to choose the path they want. And hopefully they come your way. And if they don't, you just have to let it go and love them and just support their choices, even though it might hurt you. That is difficult. And regarding being obsessed, you said, how do I stop obsessing? Definitely go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Type in the word obsess in the search field and you will find some very important, very, uh, I believe, powerful shows to help you stop obsessing. I hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing and we'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I just had my Monk Pack bar and my Athletic Greens this morning. I hope you check out MonkPack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and use the promo code BRAIN at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. And also head over to AthleticGreens.com forward slash brain and get your free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I dig both these companies. I think you will too. And I want to thank our financial backers this week. Chelsea, Robert, Maude, Harriet. Harriet's new. Good to have you on board, Harriet. Thank you for your support. Very generous of you. Anna, Allison, Brian, Kim, Donald, Jacqueline, Deborah, Stephen. All of you are generous. Stephen's like the longest member ever. (laughs) All of you, though, are amazingly generous. I am grateful for all of you. And Sandra decided to reach out and donate. Uh, She didn't even leave a note she just generously donated money and I'm grateful Sandra thank you so much it is always a surprise it is always welcome it is absolutely something that uh, keeps us going and I'm so glad that you appreciate what I do over here and that you're willing to give back that's just blows my mind it still does after eight years thank you so much and all of the financial backers and the donation from Sandra thank you all I am grateful for you and if you find value in this show and you want to give back visit moretob.com and you'll have the option to do that and you heard me mention it earlier loveandabuse.com that's where i talk about how to deal with difficult relationships and uh, if you believe you're the difficult one in the relationship and you want to change that about yourself then head over to healedbeing.com and i offer a program there that helps heal yourself heal the triggers that cause emotionally abusive behavior and That's over at HealedBeing.com. Finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final words, I want to mention something about vulnerability. I think it was in 2014 where I decided that I was going to be vulnerable on the air. I was going to share stories. I was going to share my life, my mistakes, my embarrassments, my uh, things that I feel ashamed about, things that I feel guilty about or have worked through guilt on, things that I don't necessarily think are becoming (laughs) of me. And I made that decision because I didn't want to carry around all this stuff. Not that I'm like pushing it on you. I'm actually being uh, vulnerable on the air in order to be judged, in order to... Have people listen and think whatever they want of me. This is something that I decided because I believed that in order to face the negativity that I might have inside of me, it was important to share it with you. It was important to share it and get it out into the world instead of holding on to it. I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from. It's as we hold on to this stuff and we're afraid that other people are going to find something out about us and then judge us or make us feel isolated or whatever. We're going to lose our support system, our support structure. And uh, I decided to just go against the grain, do the thing that most people probably don't want to do, and share stuff with you that uh, makes me look bad. (laughs) Makes me look like uh, I'm a jerk makes me look like I have problems, I have dysfunctions, I'm toxic. I like to think that I have healed from most of this stuff. When I tell you of a story of how I treated my wife, it is awful. I feel bad about it. It makes me look like a jerk. and At the same time, I think a lot of people relate to it because that's the kind of stuff they don't want to tell other people. You may not want to tell somebody that you treated someone badly. And um, I don't really want to say this stuff. I really don't want to tell you all this harm that I brought to other people. I don't think that's very good for my uh, credibility. (laughs) It's not good for my reputation or whatever. But aside from getting it out there and putting it on the table to be judged and just making myself vulnerable in that way and empowering you with the decision to continue to listen to me to decide that maybe I have healed or haven't healed or I still need work I put that out there so that I wanna make sure I feel good inside myself about the progress I've made and the way I do that is when I talk about it uh, I get a sense of how I feel about it like when I talk about how I treated people in the past how do I feel about that now well, I don't feel good that I did it, but I feel really good that I'll never do it again. I don't feel good that I did it, but I feel great knowing that it will never happen again. That's not who I am anymore. That's not going to happen anymore. So that's one reason I share it, knowing that I, am, I have changed. I know it inside myself. You may or may not believe that, but I know it inside myself. I feel it. I know that... It, uh, it's a burden to hurt other people, quite honestly. It's a burden on them, for sure, but it was a burden on me. It was a burden holding on to that negativity. It was a burden being triggered all the time. I was just thinking about that today. I was like, you know, I'm on my eighth year. You know, my girlfriend and I are at our eight-year mark, and that was the entire amount of time that I was with my wife. We were married for four years. So we were four years together, four years married, And during that entire time, I held on to anger. I was in a triggered state. I had to do everything I could to not uh, be mean and not say mean things. I had to hold in a lot of stuff. I had stomach aches. I had intestinal problems. I had um, gut issues. I mean, when you hold negative emotions in, what ends up happening is they they manifest into other things inside your body. You have emotions and you have feelings. You have emotions that are anger and frustration and irritation and all this other stuff. And then you have the feelings, of what it feels like inside your body having those emotions. When you're happy, your body feels good. You're, when you're laughing, when you're happy, it, there's usually a good feeling in your body somewhere. It may not feel good everywhere, but there's somewhere in your body, there's a good feeling. When you're upset, When you're angry and you hold it in, you're going to feel it in your body. It's going to feel like uh, something is not right. I usually felt it in my stomach. I burnt a hole in my stomach because I held on to so much anger. And that's what I was withholding for so long. And that's why I was always in a triggered state. And so just today, I was walking around the house and I thought, wow, this is like our eighth year. And this is the longest relationship I've had that I've not been triggered that I've not held on to negativity that blows my mind that's just amazing and it feels so good and the reason that I don't feel triggered all the time is because I chose to take responsibility for what I want in my life and follow that path and have good boundaries and share when I'm upset express when I feel like crap, or I feel angry, I chose not to hold it in. That's one of the secrets, and it's not a secret. If you hold it in, you start to feel drained. You start to feel physically ill when you hold all this negativity in, and you're always in the triggered state. And it's like a uh, something you're holding back, and you don't want to uh, explode, or it comes out in passive-aggressive ways, and you're slowly destroying a relationship and you don't want to I didn't want to but that's what was happening with me I was always in a triggered state a uh, feeling of negativity inside of me and I just decided that after my marriage I'm just going to be honest <laughs> this is me on the air just being honest I'm just going to be honest and let it out because I don't want it to fester inside of me It's embarrassing to tell you about an argument that my girlfriend and I had. Aren't I supposed to be a teacher? (laughs) Aren't I supposed to be the person that tells you how to stay out of toxic situations? Being human is impossible to deny. Being human is impossible to avoid. It's going to happen. We're going to get triggered. We're going to get upset. We're going to have misunderstandings. We're going to have miscommunication. And sometimes we just won't get along for one reason or another. It's just going to happen. There's too many damn variables in the universe for that not to happen. Unless you isolate yourself in a mountain cave and forget about humanity and just meditate for the rest of your life doing the occasional um, hunting and gathering. But that's not life. This is life. We have to deal with life. We have to work through life. And so I've decided that I'm not going to hold anything in. And if I hold it in, it's probably because I'm processing, but it eventually has to come out. And sometimes, yes, you have to have the hard conversations with people you care about. You have to tell them. You have to be honest with them. You have to be transparent with them so it's not uh, repressed inside of you. I mean, you don't have to be. You can make the choice. You have the choice, but I recommend you be as honest as you can be because otherwise it stays in. I think um, young people have to learn this, quite honestly. If you're young, if you're below 25, or no matter what age, but you know, below 25 you're still learning about life, learning about boundaries, learning about limits, learning about relationships. That's really tough sometimes. If you're in that young space and you have this repressed negative energy inside of you and you're not letting it out, that can manifest in some pretty nasty stuff self-harm, suicide, and you know all the stuff that people don't like to talk about. But that's what happens. You just, you, If you keep it in, it turns into something else. So you have to let it out. You have to tell somebody about it. You have to take the risk. Hey, this is what's happening inside of me. That's what my friend did one day. He said, this is what's happening inside of me. He said, I, I feel like uh, killing myself sometimes. And I thought, wow, that's quite the admission. And I told him, thank you for sharing that I get it I completely understand and um, I think he was grateful that I didn't say you need a therapist (laughs) I think he was grateful that I didn't tell him you should go get help I think he was grateful that I just lent an ear a non-judgmental ear that he could share something so personal so maybe embarrassing Maybe he felt like it was the lowest thing that he could ever share with anyone that would certainly be uh, something to judge about him. And I didn't. I didn't judge him. And he shared it. And he was grateful. And I was grateful. And giving someone that safe space to share something so personal, so uh, maybe dark, is something that might just save their life. And if you're a young person and you have this dark stuff inside of you, or even if you're an old person, this dark stuff has to come out in some way. Some people do it creatively. They draw, they sing, they do creative stuff. Uh, Some people need to express themselves. But um, it has to come out. It it can't stay in there because if it stays in there, it tries to get out by itself. It tries to get out in ways that uh, might be dangerous or harmful to you. And if it's harmful, you don't want that. I don't, I don't want you to have that. Maybe I'm being selfish. <laughs> I don't want you to have that. I want you to feel good. And in fact, um, the younger you are, the more maybe you don't realize just how much life changes. Life does change. It goes in different directions. Um, if you get a tattoo with your romantic partner's name at 20... <laughs> Then you'll probably regret it at 25. I'm just saying that life goes through changes. It branches out in different directions. And sometimes you have no idea what's coming at you. Sometimes it hits you hard and you think this is it. It's over. Life sucks. Why am I here? And then the dip turns into a peak and suddenly you're on top of the world. It just happens. This is what it does. It's the variety of life. And yes, it's challenging And as life goes on, as the years go by, I hope you are making the choice to express and release and not allow this negativity to get stored or repressed inside of you. And you're able to continue just letting that go or processing it or healing or talking to somebody about it because as you let stuff go, you allow more good in, more good feelings. And that's an entirely different feeling than holding on to that negativity. And speaking of holding on to something, this is what I want you to hold on to. Hold on to your power. And the way you do that is to keep an open mind. This is how you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.